Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our New Nature series, which talks about what the fruit of the Spirit should look like in the daily life of the believer. We hope that this message will be a blessing to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. Well, let's take our Bibles tonight and let's go to Matthew chapter number five. Uh, Matthew chapter five tonight. <coughs> Matthew five. And, um, you know, as we, as we get into the message tonight, getting back into our series, The New Nature, and, uh, of course, we've been studying this out. Uh, Galatians chapter 5 is where we have been, the fruit of the Spirit. We'll talk more about it in just a second. But to help us get started tonight, I just want to ask you, have you ever, um, you ever thought one thing uh, for a really long time only to find out that what you thought was wrong? You ever had that happen? Or um, another illustration of it is, have you ever called somebody by the wrong name for a long time until finally they correct you and say, like, that's not my name? So years ago here at the church, uh, we had two men in the church. And uh, one of them called the other one, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, uh, for sake of illustration, we'll say the name was, uh, the real name was Bob, but he, this one called him Jim all the time. This went on, I'm not exaggerating, it went on for two and a half years. Walking in, hey, Jim, good to see you. Hey, you know, how you doing? And Jim, whose real name was Bob, just kept going along with it. Until finally, Jim came to me and said, Pastor, I just don't know what to do. Man, I've, I've, been, I've been coming now for two and a half years, and so-and-so, they keep calling me Jim, but my name's Bob. And I was like, seriously? I keep, yeah, yeah, I just don't know what to do. And I said, well, tell him. He said, I can't do that. I said, all right, I'll, I'll help you out. And so the next Sunday, I purposefully stood by Bob, whose real name was Jim, or no, by Jim, whose real name was Bob. Now I'm all confused on this. And I remember that uh, someone came up and they said, oh, hey, Bob. And I looked and went, Bob? Or wait, no, Jim. Hey, Jim. I, Jim. His name's not Jim. His, his name's Bob. And he stopped, looked at Bob, said, you're lying. I said, no, that's my name. Pastor, you're lying. No, that's my name. You mean you've been letting me call you Jim for two and a half years? Why didn't you just tell me? You know, and it's like, I'm sorry. I didn't want to hurt your feelings. You know, and they're like, ah, oh, all right. I feel stupid. You know, and they just walk away. And of course, they got a good laugh out of it. And still both of them uh, joke about it to this day. But you know what? Uh, we've all been there where we have something we think that doesn't turn out to be the actual truth. You know, when you come to the Word of God, there's a lot of things as a Christian that we think, but true Bible Christianity gives us the truth. The, the Word of God tells us something that may be opposite or additional to what we think. That's what we find in Matthew chapter number five. And uh, we're going to do a couple little different things tonight, but I want to start by just helping us understand Matthew five. When you come to uh, Matthew chapter number five, I think I, oh, no, my slides are going way too far. Never mind, I didn't have it. Matthew chapter five is where Jesus is preaching the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew five, six, and seven. So 
Here's what I want us to do for just a minute. I want you to uh, take yourself and let's rewind us 2,000 years. Let's go back to, uh, to Israel 2,000 years ago, and you and I, um, we're Jews, all right? As Jews, we've been raised under the Torah. We've been raised under the law, and mainly the book of Deuteronomy would be a good, a good starting point for understanding what we believe. And so we're all Jews. Uh, I'm wearing a robe. Can you see it? I'm wearing this really nice, fancy blue robe. Since I have a blue suit, we'll go with a blue robe. Uh, I have sandals on, and I'm standing here, and you all, you're now in robes. You're not wearing a suit and tie. Uh, We're all in robes, and we're all Jewish 2,000 years ago. We've been raised understanding a lot of things about religion. We know about the feasts. We know about uh, uh, Passover. We know about our, our nation's history, and we know about Moses, and we know about Abraham, and we know about the founding of our nation as Israel. And we also know that we're under Roman rule. All of us, we're under Roman rule. We don't like Roman rule. And so we know that the prophets have told us about a coming Messiah, All right, the prophets have said that there's going to be one that would come and deliver us. And so our mindset is, okay, we're under Rome right now. We're in my blue robe. You still see it? My blue robe, my sandals. You're wearing a robe and sandals. And we know all of the law. We know religion. But we also know Messiah is coming. Let's just say that if that was our reality, that someone comes and they say, hey, Have you heard about this this new rabbi? You heard about this new teacher? You say, what new teacher? And they say, Yeshua. Yeshua. Well, who's that? It's Jesus. Say, you heard about this, this one Yeshua from Nazareth. Have you heard about him? And no, I haven't heard about him. Well, listen, he's speaking today. He's speaking up on the hill. You, you want to go with me? Sure. Sure, I'll go. If it's, if it's a new teacher, does he know the law? Oh, yeah, he knows the law real well. Okay. But I have to tell you something about him. Um, you remember what the prophet said about a Messiah? Yeshua, he kind of fits some of the criteria. He, he kind of fits, really, there's, there's a handful of prophecies from Isaiah that Yeshua really characterizes and he's working some miracles like was said the Messiah would do. So you and I, we listen to our friend tell us that and we say, okay, all right, I'll go. So now we're here. We're on the mountainside and I had a picture. I forgot to put it in the slides. Uh, A mountainside of where the Sermon on the Mount could have been preached. I I can see it. I was just there uh, 10 days ago. And I can, I can, or 11 days ago, I can see it. And here we are. We're just kind of there, maybe eating some bread. Bread's big in Israel. Everybody eats bread. Maybe we're eating some bread. Maybe you're munching on some olives, just eating them. And all of a sudden, this man steps up. This man, he doesn't look any different. There's nothing really, the Bible tells us about Jesus, that there wasn't anything in his appearance that would make him stand out in a crowd. He just, looks, he just looks like me or you, just kind of an everyday type of guy. He stands up, and he begins to speak. 
And he begins to pour out truths that you and I as Jews, we've actually never heard before. He begins to say phrases like, blessed are the poor in spirit. We say, blessed are the poor in spirit. To you and I in English, that doesn't, it just, we're kind of used to it. But here's what Jesus was saying, that as Jews, we would look and understand, blessed, divine joy is what it is. Divine joy belongs to those who don't promote themselves, belongs to the humble. Okay, as a Jew, that was very contradictory to what we believe. Because as Jews, we're God's people. As Jews, I mean, I'm from Israel. As a Jew, I mean, we deserve this land. This is our land. Abraham came here. We conquered. And as a Jew, so now here's Jesus getting up and speaking something totally contradictory to what we believe. Are you following me tonight? Well, as a Jew, what would our response be? Man, our response would be to question. Not to question in the sense of, I don't really know about that, but to say, is, is this true? Is there any validity to this? The fact of the matter is, when you come to Matthew chapter number five, everybody here just a second ago, you know when we've done something for so long only to find out that that's the wrong way of doing it or called somebody a name only to find out that wasn't their right name. That mindset is kind of where all of the Jews are in Matthew five. They've been taught so many things, and now Jesus comes on the scene, and everything he's giving is contradictory to what they know. Everything. It's completely different. <clears throat> Pause. We've been in our series, The New Nature. New Nature is studying out Galatians 5, that when you receive Christ and I receive Christ, the Holy Spirit of God moves in and helps me have what we find in Galatians 5, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. We've already researched out love, joy, and peace. Tonight, we come to the word long-suffering. It's a great word, long-suffering. Okay, play on the illustration from a second ago. Here's Jesus He's speaking. In the middle of his message, Jesus speaks on being long-suffering. You say, Pastor, I've read the Sermon on the Mount. I've never read long-suffering. Long-suffering and forgiveness are often coupled together. Right in the middle, first, first to middle part of the message that Jesus preaches on the Sermon on the Mount, he gives them something completely contradictory to what they've thought long-suffering should be. You see, Jews weren't taught to be long-suffering. But Christians are. Jews weren't taught to be truly forgiving. But the believer is. Now, God all along was trying to help them understand long-suffering and forgiveness. But because of religion, they didn't catch it. And so tonight, I don't want us to be like those Jews. I want us to be as imaginary Jews. They're sitting on the Sermon of the Mount, listening to Jesus, getting something that's completely different than what we were raised with. I want us to take it tonight, and I want us to put feet to it this week and understand how we can apply it to where we are in our life. It starts in Matthew chapter number 5 and verse 38. So stand with me, if you will. Matthew 5 and verse number 38. When you come to Matthew 5, 38, I want us to read verse 38 down through verse number 44. And here's what the word of God says. Jesus, of course, speaking. If you have a red letter Bible, this will be in red letters. Here's what he says. Ye have heard 
that it hath been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you that ye resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if any man will sue thee at the law and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain or two. Give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn not thou away. Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. As a Jew, if, if you can, and you went with me in your mind, just briefly, as a Jew, everything that Jesus just said is counterintuitive to what we've been taught our entire life. Everything he just said contradicts what your parents and my parents have instilled in us. Because we've heard an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. We've heard love your friends and your neighbors, but hate the enemy, hate the Romans. And now Jesus comes and he says, let me teach you about two things. Let me teach you about forgiveness and let me teach you about being long-suffering. Listen, if you and I are there, that's mind-blowing. Because here's this new rabbi, this new teacher that's worked miracles. And here he is saying, everything you know, scratch it. Let me give you truth. I want us to understand tonight, if we can, everything you and I think we know about the phrase forgiveness and long-suffering, those two words. Tonight, could you do something with me? Could you take, take everything that you've been taught and that you know, and tonight, let's just compare it with the word of God. Let's say, all right, Lord, if, if my, pers if my uh, perspective about long-suffering and forgiveness is wrong, tonight I want you to correct it. Because there's some truth in here that if we can apply it to our lives, seriously, this could change every relationship that you have. Right. Every relationship, it could change it. The definition of the word long-suffering alone can change every relationship you have. It's phenomenal. Great, great passage tonight and some great thoughts that I believe will be a help to us. So let's pray, and then we'll get into it. Lord, we come before you. We thank you for the word of God, and thank you for um, how you use it in our lives and how you desire to uh, use it to help us to walk with you and grow. And Lord, I just pray that uh, as we go through the service tonight, I pray that you'd speak to us. Lord, I pray that you would just use me, and God, I humble myself before you and want to be uh, um, just used as a vessel. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd do that. And Father, we ask that you would use the word of God to speak to us. Now, before I close my prayer, I want to ask you as a church family, would you just take a moment and commit the time to the Lord? Just ask God to speak to you. Ask him to help you learn from him tonight. Dear Lord, we want to come before you and um, again, just thank you for your love. Thank you for the word of God. Speak to us now. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You go ahead and be seated. <clears throat> you know, as a Christian, um, one thing that uh, uh, 
that really helps us in our, in our walk with the Lord is to understand that what, what we talked about this morning a little bit and then what we've been going through on Sunday nights um, is just this, this idea of the new nature that when a person gets saved, when a person trusts Christ as, as their Savior, that uh, the Holy Spirit of God moves in and God literally just moves into their heart and their life. And the Bible says that we're given a new nature. And uh, something that's good for us to, to know about this new nature is when a person gets saved, you don't live with the old nature, sin nature, and the Holy Spirit, new nature. That does not happen. A person cannot have two natures. We can't do that. Uh, that, that goes against the laws of life, okay? And so we, when we trust Christ as Savior, it's not this old sinful nature and new nature coexisting. No, that doesn't take place. The book of Romans teaches that the old nature, the old man, it's said in, in the book of Romans, the old man is crucified, Okay, the old man is put to death, right? That's what we read in all through scripture, that the old man is put to death and the new man, the Holy Spirit, moves into the life of the believer. Do you agree with that? Okay, so the new, the new man moves into the life of a believer. Now, where the struggle comes, what we talked about this morning and, and the last few services, is that we still live in the flesh. The flesh is not the old nature, Okay, we need to understand that. The flesh is not the old nature. The flesh is the vessel that carries the nature we are. The flesh is the vessel that carries who we are. Does that make sense? Okay, so I'm going to ask you if it makes sense because we're Sunday night, we're kind of getting into some deep thoughts here tonight, and, and I don't want don't to lose anyone, including my own brain. So if I ask, do you get it? I'm even asking myself, did that make sense? Because if it didn't, it's not going to. So if you understand this, that we've been given this new nature, but because we still live in the flesh, we don't struggle with sin nature. We struggle with the fact that this flesh is used to sin nature. And so it's like that snake illustration. The body is dead. Sin nature is dead, but the flesh just doesn't know it yet. And our flesh won't be fully justified or redeemed until we get to heaven. Okay, part of the new nature that we receive from the Lord are characteristics of God. Man, part of the Holy Spirit moving into our life is getting the character of God into our life. Now, there's some great characteristics of God that move into us. And, and there's a number listed all throughout Scripture. But one of the best places to find a good summary of them is our passage where we've been in Galatians 5, that God puts into us the characteristics or the fruit of the Spirit, the uh, um, uh, character of the Spirit, which are these, love. Man, every, every person knows that when you get saved... The love, of the, the love of God fills your life. Isn't it good to know you're loved? And isn't it good to be able to uh, give that love to others? That's what the spirit of love is. The fruit of the spirit is love. Next fruit of the spirit, joy. Man, when you trusted Christ, most of you, uh, joy took root. Boy, isn't it awesome when you meet somebody and they're not saved and then you get to know them after they've been saved and you just watch joy fill their life. Man, I think probably one of the biggest testimonies of that in our church, uh, she's not here tonight, but is Veronica. 
And you can ask Isaac about his sister and when she trusted the Lord. And uh, Veronica, she, um, she's always kind of been a friendly person. But man, Isaac would tell you that since she's met Christ, man, Veronica's one of the friendliest people you know. Amen. You know what she's got? She's got joy. She's bubbly. She's got that joyful spirit. What is that? That's not Veronica. That's God. Love, joy. Last week we looked at peace. Man, isn't it good? I've watched and witnessed people in our church go through tumultuous times, and yet through it all, they have the peace of God. Listen, let me tell you, I've done funerals for people who don't know the Lord, and I've seen them not have peace. And I've also done funerals and services for people who do know the Lord, and I've watched their family just conduct it with peace. Oh, are they grieving? Certainly. Oh, are they sad? Certainly. Oh, are they hurting? Definitely. But I've seen them just content and walk with the Lord. Love, joy, peace. The next one, now, let me be honest. Love, joy, and peace, everybody likes those, right? Everybody likes love, everybody wants joy, everybody likes peace. But tonight we're coming to the next one, long-suffering. I'm just gonna be right up front with you. You're not gonna like it. You're not gonna, Tom, Tom tells me all the time, pastor, good message. You're not gonna like this one. It's just not. This message, listen, this message is not for the weak. It's not for, it's not for me. Because we want love, joy, peace. But what we're going to talk about tonight, it takes real, listen, what we're going to talk about tonight, it takes real Holy Spirit living to accomplish. You cannot do it on your own. You just can't. It's impossible. So tonight we're going to take, we're going to look at this word long-suffering. What's it mean? What's it mean to be long-suffering? We're going to take it. We're not going to come back to our passage in Matthew 5 until later. But I want to talk with you very quickly about these thoughts about long-suffering. So I want to take a minute very quickly, and let's look at this idea. Uh, first, I just want to go forward, not backwards. Tonight I want to do this. I want to interpret long-suffering. All right. What's it mean? What does the word long-suffering mean? What does it mean to be long-suffering? What does this mean? Many people immediately, when you hear the word long-suffering, you would probably define the, long, the word long-suffering as the word patient. How many of you have heard that before? To be long-suffering is to be patient. How many of you heard that before? Man, a lot of us probably have. To be long-suffering is to be patient. And, and, and you would be right to a certain degree. The word long-suffering, uh, to a certain degree, it means to be patient. But if you look up the word in the dictionary, the word in the dictionary is this, bearing injuries or provocation for a long time, patient or not easily provoked. So if you said patient is long-suffering, you'd be right. A little bit. You'd be a little bit. You'd have like 30% of it. But if you defined long, long suffering as patient and you stopped there, you'd miss it. The word long suffering comes from a Greek word that is this macrothemia. Macrothemia. Uh, the word macrothemia, it's made up of two words. The first word is the word megas. Uh, it means great or abundant or large or on a grand scale. Megas, we get the word mega. All right, that's where we get the word from. So the first word, it means that great, abundant, large on a grand scale. The second word is the word thuo. The word thuo means to kill or to sacrifice. 
So macrothumia or megasthua, macrothumia, it literally means this, long-suffering. It means to be abundantly killed, to be mistreated on a great scale, to suffer on a mega scale. That's what the word means. To be abundantly killed. You know what that is? To be killed over and over and over and over and repeat continuously. That's what the word long-suffering means. So to be long-suffering, it's not to just be patient, although that's part of it. To be long-suffering means to continually bear being mistreated. It means to be mistreated now and take it, and now and take it, and now and take it. Patience, one man said it this way, a person can be patient only so long, but there is not a limit put onto this word long-suffering. Patience wears out. Right, parents? (laughs) Patience wears out. Long-suffering, it doesn't. Long-suffering says, mistreat me again. It's okay. Long-suffering says, you can slap me again. It's all right. Remember what I said about not liking this? We like the patient side of it, right? Because I can turn the other cheek. Slap me once over here, slap me once right there. Third time, I'm slugging you. (laughs) Right? It's going to be three hits. One, two, three. Listen, the word long-suffering, it means you can do that one and that one and that one again and then that one again and then that one again and to bear it, to continue with that. Now, let's be honest. Do we like that? No. But the word long-suffering literally means to suffer, to have mega-suffering and to continue. Now, as I said a moment ago, up to this point in our series, I mean, we're, we're probably all for the new nature. Love, joy, peace, we all want those. But when we hear long-suffering, to be able to endure mistreatment with no end in sight, you probably begin thinking, I didn't sign up for that. All right, so that's interpreting long-suffering. That's uh, defining it. I want us to take just a second. Now I want to identify long-suffering. Can we see this principle anywhere else in Scripture? Yes. And that's what we're going to look at. We can see this in multiple places of Scripture. I mean, where do we see it in the Bible? All right, Old Testament, where do we see it? How about God and Israel? This idea of forgiveness and long-suffering. Take your Bible and turn over to Psalm 78. Go to Psalm 78. And we're not going to do it right now, but I want to encourage you on your own time. Read Psalm 78. It'll show you long-suffering and forgiveness with God and Israel. Amazing portion of Scripture. Psalm 78. Turn over there. We're just going to kind of skim through it a little bit. Psalm 78 and... um, 
If you go through this, uh, verse number seven, it says uh, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandment. And that might not be as their fathers. Who were their fathers? Talking about the nation of Israel. Their fathers were a stubborn and rebellious generation, uh, a generation that set not their heart aright, whose spirit was not steadfast with God. Verse 10, they kept not the covenant of God and refused to walk in his law. Verse 11, they forgot his works. Uh, and if you continue down, it continues telling you about Israel and how they just forgot God and neglected God. Uh, but then you look at verse number 15. He clave the rocks in the wilderness and gave them drink as out of the great depths. Verse 16, he brought streams also out of the rock and caused rivers to run, to run down like, or caused waters to run down like rivers. So here's the children of Israel balking at God. And what does God do? He provides for them. That's what that's, that's what that's teaching. What is that? That's being long-suffering. They provoke. He's patient. He's long-suffering. Verse 16, 17, look at it. And they sinned yet more against him by provoking the Most High in the wilderness. They tempted God in their heart by asking meat for their lust. Yea, they spake against God. They said, can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Behold, he smote the rock, the waters gushed out, and the streams overflowed. Can he give bread also? Look at verse 21. Therefore the Lord heard this and was wroth. So uh, a fire was kindled against Jacob, and anger also came up against Israel because they believed not in God and trusted not in his salvation. When you look at verse 21 and 22, it says anger was kindled. You know what that's saying? He held back. His anger is held back. We could do a lot more, but look down to verse number 38. Psalm 78, 38. After children of Israel balking God, provoking God, and God forgiving, here is the summary of uh, Israel's history. It says this, but he, speaking of God, being full of compassion, forgave their iniquity and destroyed them not. Yea, many a time, Turned he his anger away and did not stir up his wrath. Wow. Man, God is a picture of long suffering. God is a picture. He's not a picture of patience. He's a picture of long suffering to be ill treated and to endure time and time and time again. This is all over Israel's history. Exodus 34, 6, this was written uh, with Moses. And the Lord passed by before him, proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth. Numbers 14, 18 says this, the Lord is long-suffering of great mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression. Can I just tell you, if you ever talk with somebody and they say that they can't believe the God of the Old Testament because he was a God of no mercy, they're not reading the Old Testament. Okay, the Old Testament is filled with a long-suffering God with Israel. Israel continually mistreating the Lord and abusing their relationship with him. And yet time and time and time again, God said, I forgive and I'll give you another chance. That's long-suffering. All right, there's an example of long-suffering, God and Israel. Old Testament example. How about the New Testament? Well, what about uh, God and Paul? Did you know Paul classified and defined his relationship with God with the word? He, he uh, um, used the word long-suffering to kind of uh, explain their relationship. 
Look with me, if you will, at 1 Timothy 1.16. Here's what Paul said. How be it for this cause I obtained mercy, that in me first Christ, Jesus Christ, uh, might show forth all long suffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. You catching what that's saying? It's Paul saying, God used my life and his long suffering as a pattern so people could understand God is long suffering. You think about Paul. I mean, Paul was one that balked against God, provoked God uh, as a religious zealot, and yet God in his mercy never just zapped him. What is that, long-suffering? Peter wrote this about Paul, and account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. Paul used himself as an example of how long-suffering God is. He stated the fact that he was the chiefest of sinners, and yet God in his mercy and compassion was long-suffering toward him. God endured much grief continually at the hand of Paul, and yet... Paul was the beneficiary of a long-suffering God. All right? We identify the example of a long-suffering God with Israel, a God in Israel. We look at the example of God in Paul. But can I just let you know that God in you is an example of long-suffering? God in you, you're an example of long-suffering, and God's long-suffering is in your life. How about this verse, 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 9? The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some men count slackness, but is, what's the word? Long-suffering. Is long-suffering to us word, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The Lord's long-suffering. The psalmist said it this way, but thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion, gracious, long-suffering, and plenteous in mercy. Can I just tell you that we would be, uh, we'd be amiss tonight if we didn't look at the great example of the Lord being long-suffering with us. He's long-suffering because we're all sinners in need of and deserving of hell. And yet in his long-sufferingness, he still offers us salvation. Those of you that know Christ as your Savior, I mean, aren't you amazed that the Lord hasn't in your Christian life said enough is enough? Bzz. I mean, think about it. Would you put up with you if you were God? Yeah. We wouldn't. Man, I'd be like, are you serious? Again? There'd just be a bunch of little craters from lightning strikes. And yet God doesn't do that. You want another verse about long-suffering? How about 1 John 1, 9 that we looked at? If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We just look at faithful and just because it's written about there. But what is that verse a picture of? A long-suffering God. I forgive. I'll give you another chance. Macrothemia. It's not just patient. It's long-suffering says, do it again. I'll forgive you. All right. <clears throat> so we define it or we interpret long-suffering. We identify it in Scripture. But now I want us to go to the practical side. And let's talk for a few moments about incorporating long-suffering. 
How do we incorporate long-suffering into our life? What's being taught in Matthew 5? We know what long-suffering is, that it means to be abundantly mistreated and to stay constant. We've seen it in Scripture, but how do we bring it into our life? What, what areas can we apply long-suffering into? Well, first of all, I see it's taught in Scripture that we should be long-suffering with other people. Long-suffering with other people. Go back to our passage in Matthew 5. Notice Matthew 5, verse 39. I say unto you that you resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. Verse 40. And if a man will sue thee at the law and take away thy coat and let him have thy cloak also. Here's Jesus speaking to these people, and he's saying, hey, listen, in your uh, relationships with other people, let someone take advantage of you. Let, son, let, let someone mistreat you. Now, let me, let me just tell you something real quick. If it's illegal or immoral, that's not what God's talking about. Okay, that is not what he's talking about. If it's illegal or immoral, speak up, tell someone, get it dealt with, let's turn it to the law, let's take care of that. Because he's not talking about immorality or illegal things. He's talking about personal relationships, people who talk bad about you, people who mistreat you, someone in this day and age, someone who may persecute you, the Romans who may literally come up and slap you, turn the other cheek also. That's what Jesus is referring to. He's talking about those interpersonal relationships that you and I have on a day in and a day out uh, uh, level. And he's helping us understand, hey, listen, you want to get along with other people? Be long-suffering. Long-suffering is coupled with forgiveness. Long-suffering says, I don't have to retaliate. Long-suffering says, I do not have to get even. It's taught in other places in Scripture. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 through 3, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Uh, that area of going through with humility and meekness and long-suffering, being able to forbear one another. Uh, Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, th 12 through 13, put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any, have, uh, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. I want you to notice this and we're not, uh, listen, we're not going to really belabor the, the thought tonight, but long suffering in scripture, when you look at it, long suffering will always be coupled with forbearing and forgiving because they go together because you cannot, uh, listen, oh, this is macrothemia. I, every time I read the word, it blows my mind. Uh, this is not the common thinking that we would have. The common thinking says, mistreat me once okay, I'll forgive you, mistreat me twice, and you better watch out. That's not long-suffering. Long-suffering says, mistreat me once, I'll forbear it and forgive you. Mistreat me twice, I'll forbear it and forgive you. And a third time, and a fourth time, 
and a fifth time. It means talk bad about me. I'm not going to talk bad about you. Gossip about me. I'm not going to gossip about you. Mistreat me at the workplace. I'm not going to mistreat you. Take advantage of, uh, of the relationship that we have in, in lying about me. I'm not going to lie about you. Hey, cut me off in traffic. I'm not going to cut you off in traffic. Hey, that's, that's what long suffering is. It means to deal with the offenses that other people send my way and not get even. Remember when I said we wouldn't like that? <laughs> I don't like that. Because if you cut me off in traffic, I am speeding up, cutting you off, and slowing down. <laughs> I'm going to find a car that's going slower than I am, and I'm going to go right with them where you can't get around either one of us. <laughs> Why? Because you cut me off. Now you're laughing because you're guilty. <laughs> I know he's guilty because he taught me. <laughs> Just kidding. Mom taught me. <laughs> Listen, our character that comes with this flesh says get even. The new nature that comes with the Holy Spirit of God says long suffering. We need to be long-suffering with others. <clears throat> we could go on about what this looks like, but I love this quote. One man said this, A slip of the foot, you may soon recover, but a slip of the tongue, you may never get over. You speak bad to me and watch me cut you down. Oh, I'll tell you, you want to know one of my spiritual gifts? Sarcasm. Maybe you haven't picked up on that. You know what? Growing up, I remember my sisters would say things to me. And one of my sisters, Dina, the one who was here just a few months ago, um, Dina, is, she has the gift of sarcasm. And I learned well from her. But let me tell you that sometimes we would get in word battles. And did your parents or your teachers ever say, now remember, sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never hurt you. Lie. <laughs> <laughs> Liar! See, Craig? Men's retreat. <clears throat> Men, if you're going to men's retreat, you're going to understand. Liar. Liar! 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 <clears throat> All the men get it. Uh, listen, if you understand, words do hurt. That's why you've done it, and I have too. When someone does something and says something, and you snap off and say something back, have you ever been like me? You like want to, oh, I wish I could bring that. And right as you say it to your wife, right as you say it to your husband, right as you say it to your kid, right as you say it to a coworker, you go, oh, why'd you say it? You weren't long suffering. But here's what Jesus is teaching. If you have my spirit in you, part of my spirit is to be long suffering. Long suffering with other people, 1 Thessalonians says this, it says, be patient toward all men. <laughs> the other idea about refusing to retaliate. Long-suffering with others, but then lastly tonight, we've got to be long-suffering in circumstances. Look at verse 41 in our passage. Here's what is written, what Jesus said. Whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. 
go with him too. Micah, do you remember the lesson that Brother Micah taught on this? What's this? Uh, did you call him a law? Huh? Yeah? What's the law? What's the rule there? Do you remember? Go the extra mile. Be an extra mile Christian. Now, let me ask you a question. Um, or, well, not ask you a question. Let me just give a thought here. You and I, we, uh, we read this. If someone asks you to go one, one mile, go two. And maybe it might not make sense. But as a Jew, okay, now let's get back, put our robes back on and our sandals. We're Jews. If a Roman comes to you and says, hey, carry my bag one mile, by law, you had to. Or they had the right to kill you. <laughs> That's what they could do. If you said no, okay, shink. Next, anybody else want to say no? So here's Jesus on the mountainside. <laughs> if someone compels you to go one mile, I kind of picture him saying, if someone, and maybe looking over to a Roman soldier that would be around the area, because whenever there's a big gathering, you can count on Roman soldiers being around. If someone compels you to go one mile, go with him too. You know, Jesus is trying to help him teach and understand here. One of the things is that sometimes the circumstances that we're put into aren't what we plan, but you've got to be long-suffering through it. You know, sometimes there's trials in life that you're not planning on, but you've got to be long-suffering through it. Long-suffering says, God with you, we're going to go through this one. God with you, I'm going to endure. God with you, I'm going to continue. God with you, I'm going to be steadfast. That's what it means to be long-suffering. Long-suffering in circumstances, not letting my situation determine my response, but having a preconceived or premeditated response to any situation. What's the pre-thought response? I'm continuing with the Lord. Amen. Just going to be long-suffering. It's taught in Colossians 1, 10, and 10 through 12. It says that you might walk worthy of the Lord and all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. And this idea of being longsuffering in circumstances as not allowing the trials of life to overtake us. It's being like Job. Job was long-suffering in his circumstances. An old Chinese proverb said it this way, if you, are patient, if you are patient in one moment of anger, you will escape 100 days of sorrow. And that's the thought. If I can just understand that my God is in control and I'm trusting him with the circumstance, I'm going to endure. I'm going to continue moving forward. Long-suffering is that attitude that says, I'm not going to give in to negative circumstances. I'm not, I'm not going to lose my cool. I'm not going to lose my testimony. I'm not going to lose my faith. <clears throat> when you look at the idea of long-suffering, long-suffering deals with forgiveness. It deals with forbearing. As I was studying and uh, preached a message similar to this, I think six years ago, uh, when we were doing a series in Galatians. 
And uh, there was a quote that I said then that I think is great for tonight. And regarding long-suffering with other people or even circumstances, long-suffering is this. Long-suffering is the grace of a man who could revenge himself but does not. I think that deals well with interpersonal relationships as well as with circumstances. Because sometimes our circumstances are such that we could get even with somebody else because of our circumstances. We can make their life just as bad as our life, or we could get back, or whatever retribution, whatever the case might be. But long-suffering says, I trust God, I move forward. Macrothemia. I love the word, macrothemia. You know, when you think about being long-suffering, love, joy, peace, you think about the new nature, um, the new nature, you could probably, you could probably do love pretty quickly. I mean, it's, it's pretty simple to, to love. You probably do joy pretty quickly. You probably do peace pretty quickly. And, and really, in all honesty, sometimes we can fake love, we can fake joy, and we can fake peace. But can I just tell you the truth? You can't fake long-suffering. You can't do it. Long-suffering, being long-suffering is something that only comes with Christ. This type of macrothemia, this type of long-suffering, this type of enduring through anything only happens in a believer who's embracing the character of Christ. If you think about it tonight... It is not in any of us to truly endure hardship and mistreatment. It's not in us. And apart from the Lord Jesus, it is completely impossible. But let me tell you tonight that if you know Christ, it's not impossible for you and me because it comes with him. And so I want you to look at your life tonight. I want to ask you, how's your long suffering been? How's it been with your spouse? How's your long-suffering been with the coworkers? How's it been with people that have mistreated you? How's it been with people who have spoken against you? How's it been with people who have lied about you? How's it been with people who gossip? How's it been in that trial? How's it been in that health difficulty? How's your long-suffering been in the financial struggle? Because tonight, I think if every one of us would be honest, we would say, Lord, I need some help. I've been trying to be long-suffering on my own, but tonight, God, I want to tell you, I need you. I need you this week to help me be long-suffering. Help me to have that forgiveness, that forbearance. God, this is something that only you can do. And so I pray that you'd help me. I'd like every head bowed and every eye closed tonight. And we're going to have our invitation, a time to respond to him. I'm not going to ask a bunch of questions tonight. But let me just tell you that if God's spoken to you and you aren't, haven't been long-suffering, Tonight, would you make the commitment that, God, you're gonna, God I'm going to be that. I'm going to be long-suffering. God, I'm going to commit to with you, with you, I'm going to have macrothemia in my life. Lord, I pray that you bless the invitation. Help us to respond to you and be long-suffering as you desire with our circumstances, with people around us. And help us to respond. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.